This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What most people don't know is my last name is actually Lao. It's Chinese, while my family is mainly Filipino. My first name is a little different too because Dylan is usually stereotyped as a boy's name. But I really like my name because it makes me feel unique and empowered, which is why it's kind of annoying whenever substitute teachers call me Dylan Leo. When someone uses my name and makes an effort to say it right, it lets me know that they actually see me and accept me for who I am. Maybe it doesn't sound like a big deal, but you can't really know me unless you know me as Dylan Lau. It's not just a name, it's personal. Well, what's up, everybody? Hi. Every week, you guys get more and more excited about being here. I love you, Cade. I love you more, Dylan. Do you? Prove it. Let's fight to the death. Is that true love? True love is fighting to the death to prove you love someone. Um, hi, Jacob. You just waving at me? Jacob. Everyone turn around and say, hi, Jacob. Jacob works at Menards in Marion. No, not anymore. Rural King, Rural King. Sorry, they're both the same to me. So Rural King has animals in it. That was shocking. Um, I guess we're doing a Q&A session. Yes, sir. Your mom works there. Is she in charge of the animals? Is her name Eliza Thornberry? Does anyone know who Eliza Thornberry is? Did I just age myself? Y'all don't even know. She used to talk to animals. It was great. Um, back before y'all had iCarly or whatever it is y'all watch these days. Um, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to the Apple Knockers. Yeah. Y'all know who the Apple Knockers are? Cobden Junior High and High School are slowly taking over Tribe Night, which is kind of funny. I think there's like 20 of you here tonight, right? Somewhere in there. Their mascot, that's the whole school. Um, their mascot is an apple knocker. I don't really know what that means. Um, it's a farming school. It's a what? Yes. Yeah, it was weird. Um, not that your school is weird. I'm sure it's great. It might be weird. I don't know. It was a little odd. Why didn't you go with a tiger or a lion or a bear? You're unique. Instead, your mascot is a guy picking apples. It's great. Go fight, win. Yeah, look at that on your shirt. Y'all make shirts with the guy on it. That's awesome. That's school pride right there. I don't care what you say. Um, So shout out to y'all for continuing to invite your friends. And we were looking through the list. We know you don't invite your friends, Kate. You did. Hi. I like your hair. Um, We were looking through the list, and there's a lot of people here tonight for the first time. Like, if this is your first time here, I'm not going to make you stand up, but just, like, wave your hand in the air like you just don't care, like it's 1999 and none of you were born. Um, 
the whole tech team waves their hand. Y'all are great back there, running stuff on your first night here. It's magic. You're 12. That would be awkward because your facial hair would say that you're not. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we love when you guys are inviting your friends into what's happening here at Tribe Night so that they can come and learn more about loving God, loving people, and loving life. I don't know if you've heard, but we can now officially eat inside restaurants again. Yeah. Unless you've been one of those people that have been doing it anyway, like underground restaurant eating. I was told every Mexican restaurant never closed. That was cool. Um, and Fujiyama's was open, so Fujiyama's is pretty good. So anyways, let me take you on a journey. Let me tell you a story from when I was in high school. So let me put you there in the middle of the story. We had just returned from a week-long camp and had a long bus ride back from camp to the church. How many of you guys have ever gone on an overnight trip with either church or school and you had to ride on a bus? And it's not always the most comfortable, especially if your church doesn't have nice charter buses, but they have like school buses that break down. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? All right. So we were riding back on the bus, and it was a long bus ride, and it wasn't just a long bus ride because it was a six-hour bus ride, but it was a long bus ride because three different times in this one bus ride, three people threw up. Yes, even just remembering that memory makes me want to gag. I'm one of those people that throws up when people around me throw up. Anyone in the room like that? Anyone in the room on the verge of throwing up because I just keep saying the word throw up? Awesome. We can just all throw up together. It's going to be great. But as you can imagine, being trapped inside of this metal bus for six hours with three different people throwing up smelled fantastic. That and sixth grade boys always smell fantastic. This was back in the age where everyone wore Axe body spray and pretended not to shower. They didn't pretend not to shower. They didn't shower, and they just sprayed Axe, and that was supposed to make it smell better. If you're a sixth grade boy and you're listening to me and you're like, I'm going to go home and get me some Axe tonight, don't do it. It's a trap. Anyways, so we were going on this long bus ride home after a week of camp, and I don't know about you, but I love camp. Anyone in the room love camp? I love camp a lot, but I love something more than I love camp. I love sleeping in my own bed after being away at camp, especially if the beds at camp suck. And so I was excited about getting home, taking a shower, getting a nap, but I noticed my buddy Josh still hanging around the front door of the church when we got back to the church. You see, Josh was a junior. He had been a longtime member of our student ministry he was super active in church. He was super active in school. He came to church even though his parents didn't come to church. He was the ideal student. I was surprised that he didn't have a car and even more surprised that he didn't ask any of his friends to bum a ride home from camp or from church after he got back from camp. So I offered to drive Josh home, but he said he was waiting on his mom. I didn't have anything to do, so I decided I would hang out and wait with him while he was waiting on his mom to pick him up. 
So after about an hour or so of just talking and waiting, I told Josh, come on, man, I'll just drive you home. I bet you want to go home and relax just as much as I want to. I could tell that he was a little anxious about me offering to drive him home, and I couldn't figure out why he would be anxious. I felt like I knew him pretty well, and that in my mind, there was nothing to be anxious about. We were friends. We knew each other. We went to the same school. We were in the same student ministry. So we hopped in my car, my nice green Volkswagen Jetta. It was not a cool Jetta. It was one of those, like, boxy-looking Jettas back before they became sports cars, apparently, according to Layton. Whip, whip, zoom, zoom, beep, beep. So when we pulled up to Josh's house, the first thing I noticed was a wheelchair ramp. I didn't remember anyone in Josh's family using a wheelchair, so this struck me as odd. And if you know anything about me, sometimes I ask questions before my brain stops them. And I said, hey, Josh, why is there a wheelchair ramp in front of your house? And immediately he got extremely quiet and it got extremely awkward. And I immediately regretted asking the question because of how uncomfortable he became. Josh then began to tell me that his dad had a stroke the year before and could no longer walk. He told me about how he had to sell his car and how his mom had to become his dad's caregiver and how hard life had been since his dad couldn't work anymore. Josh shared how embarrassed he was that his dad now needed care and he didn't like having people over to their house because he didn't want anyone to see his dad like that. I thought me and Josh were pretty good friends, and I had no idea any of this was happening in his life. I mean, we, I saw Josh all the time. So I just sat there, and I listened to him talk about his dad. I had no idea Josh had been holding on to everything that was going on, all that he was going through. And honestly, after that conversation, I realized I barely knew Josh's story at all. I had no idea what had been happening in his family. I thought I knew Josh, but until I pulled into his driveway to drop him off, until I asked the question, why is there a wheelchair ramp, until I sat and listened, I really had no idea what was going on in his life. I thought I knew him, but I had just a glimpse of his story. I would say we often assume we know the stories of other people just because we know their name or what they're good at or what they're into, we feel like we know them. Many of us confuse following someone on social media with actually knowing someone's story. Their Instagram story is not their personal story. Their Snapchat story is not their personal story. It's the highlight reel of what they want you to know about them. I made that mistake with Josh. I thought I knew him because he came to church every week, but to be honest, I really had no idea who Josh was or what his story was really about. I thought I knew Josh because of the way he acted and the friends he had, but there was so much more to him than just that. I think we're all guilty of assuming we know where our friends live, but until we step into their homes, there are pieces of them that we may never be aware of. There's so much more to a person than what we see from the outside. Everyone has a backstory we may never know about. You see, each one of us has a story that comes with our family dynamics, our friends, things that have happened to us, 
the hurts and the wounds that we carry around, all the good, all the bad, things that are intertwined in the story of our lives, most of us know our own stories pretty well. Like if we were to get gut level honest and sitting down across the table from each other and I asked you to share your story, you would know your story pretty well. Most of us know the moments where we might break down and cry when we talk about our stories or lash out in anger. We look for people to understand our stories better in hopes that they will understand us. We might say things like, if they only knew what kind of morning I had. I often say that when I come to work and I'm a little grouchy. Or we might see things like, they don't know what I'm dealing with at home. I couldn't sleep last night because I was so worried. Or I am angry all the time, and I'm not even sure why I'm this angry. That was my brother in high school. He was angry all the time and not really sure why he was angry. You see, this might be true for us, but we forget, we forget to think about the step in the moments when our friends lash out in anger or our family member is rude to us. Immediately, we get upset with them. But have you ever taken a moment to sit back and wonder why they may have snapped at you? Why are they so upset? Why are they triggered by what's going on? I mean, we all have those moments and those mornings, the mornings where you oversleep, you might spill your coffee down the front of your shirt and still end up missing the bus or being late to school. When our day starts like that, we can become victims of our own emotions. You see, giving grace to our friends and our families in these moments is so important because the reality is we never know what they are facing. We rarely try to understand their backstory in the moment. And because of that, we miss out on being personal with them and knowing the story of who they are. You see, over and over in the New Testaments, we see Jesus take the time to understand the people that he met. He took the time to have conversations and share meals with people no one else would have dared to spend time with. Jesus looked at the opportunities to get personal with people, and he would take those opportunities. All month, we've been talking about a guy named Zacchaeus and how Jesus walked into Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus was not exempt for how Jesus chose to impact or interact with his lives of the people that he interacted with. So let's check out this part of the story of Zacchaeus, found in Luke chapter 19, verses 5 through 6. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. You see, this verse, these couple of verses tell us that Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. He took the time to enter Zacchaeus' everyday context. Jesus knew it was risky, but he also knew that there was more to Zacchaeus than what everyone in town thought about Zacchaeus or thought they understood about Zacchaeus. Verse 7 says, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. It clearly didn't go over well with some people in the town when Jesus asked Zacchaeus to go to his house to eat dinner. They were all talking about it. You see, the thing about Jesus is he didn't conform to the world's standards. He was looking to connect with Zacchaeus on a greater level, and he didn't care how the people around him saw that. 
He didn't care what the town people were saying. He wanted to step into, a, into the place where Zacchaeus was most comfortable, Zacchaeus' home. You see, your space, your home, is where you let your guard down. It was the place that Jesus knew he could get closer to Zacchaeus and learn more about the man that Zacchaeus was. Where we live is more than just a physical address. So let's real quick, how many of you guys live in Carterville? Anyone in here live in Heron? How many of you live in Marion? How many of you live north, south, east, west of Carterville? So Cobden or Carterville or Carbondale or all those things. Um, how many of you guys live south of Marion? So Vianna, Goreville. So where, where you live is more than just your physical address. You see, understanding our circumstances and our situations is the window into who we really are. You see, there's a part of our story that not everyone gets invited into, but here's the thing. Jesus is God. I don't think that statement is groundbreaking or shocking to anyone in the room. You see, Jesus is God. He already knew Zacchaeus' backstory, but Jesus spending time in Zacchaeus' home makes it all more personal. And even though he knew the backstory, he chose to take time to spend with Zacchaeus anyway. He was able to connect with Zacchaeus in a way the crowd was not willing to. Jesus showed that he wanted to get to know Zacchaeus in a bigger way to really understand him. And he did it by getting personal and showing up where Zacchaeus lived. When it comes to understanding our own stories and our stories of the people around us, we can take a look at the life of Jesus as he sought out ways to get to know people on a personal level. He sought out ways to understand their stories, to go the extra mile, to be extra personal when people around him wouldn't. Let's take a look at this verse in Philippians chapter two. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, Jesus gave up everything divine about being God to choose to be a human so that he could live a life that will ultimately lead to him dying on a cross for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. You see, Jesus stepped into our world as a human. He walked the earth to step into our story, to experience our world and where we live, to understand us. Jesus made God personal for us. When you, need, when you read the story of Jesus, we forget the moments that allow Jesus to understand and connect with our own stories. The same exact moments that you and I have all lived through, happened to him, but we can, hi, screen, this screen's gonna crush me. The same moments that your story may not have happened to him, but we can't forget that as a human, Jesus was once a baby. He went to the bathroom like babies went to the bathroom. He cried all night like we once did. He had to deal with siblings. He was forgotten by his parents. Like, seriously, it happened. There's a story in the Bible where his parents lost him. Like, how do you lose Jesus? But they did. 
He experienced loss of one of his best, when one of his best friends died, and the Bible says that he wept. He questioned his purpose. He dealt with people ridiculing him in doubt. You see, he knows the hurts you carry, the worry you have, the doubt that you have in him, the things that you keep, that things that keep you up at night. He knows your hopes, your dreams, and your prayers. But he doesn't simply know them. He wants to step into your home. He wants to step into your life and make it personal. He wants you to know that he doesn't just know your story, but he understands it. Here's the truth. It's personal because Jesus understands your story. Since he can understand our story, we can take steps in our lives to connect with him, connect with ourselves, and to connect with others. Let's get real for a second. It can be hard to let people into our lives and let people know where you live. Believe me, I know this. It can be easy to hold on to our secrets because we don't want people to judge us. We think our minds, we think in our minds about the responses that other people will have to our stories, to our lives, that we hold tight to them. Sometimes we can even feel that our stories are too big to handle ourselves. How can we expect someone else to help me handle them? The beautiful thing is when we can begin to boldly share our stories with other people, it gives them a sense of permission to share their stories with us too. So where do we start? Here's a few ideas. For some of you, your first step is to wrestle with the idea and acknowledge that Jesus knows you, all the pieces of you, and that he wants to step into your story that he can understand your story, your situation, your emotions, and that he loves you. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. All the rumors that were going around about Zacchaeus, about his life, how he was an outcast from his community, how people hated him for his job and how he treated other people. Yet Jesus still decided to step into Zacchaeus' story. Jesus knew there was more to Zacchaeus than what everyone else thought about him or what his actions said about him. And just like he did with Zacchaeus, Jesus wants to step into your life. He wants to get personal with you just like he did with him. For others, your next step is to let someone else into your story. I don't think it should be some random stranger, so I'm not saying just go down here to the pilot and start talking to a trucker about your story. It could be someone that you already know, someone that you know that has your back, someone you want to share your story and your life with. This is a huge step. We get it. It's a game changer. It was a game changer for me when I was your age. The moment that I decided to open up to one of our church's interns and tell them my story ultimately shaped and made me the man I am today. What if you knew that they already cared about you? They were for you and wanted to understand your story more. So why not tonight start by letting your small group leader know your story? You see, the adults that sit in this room and the adults that sit in your small groups week after week love you. They care about you. And here's the secret. They have their own story too. Nothing you tell them is going to scare them or shock them. So why not share a little more with your small group? We know this is a huge step, but what if you could give the gift 
of allowing someone else to go second by you being first to share your story. As simple as talking about your backstory and allowing your group to see you for who you are when you're not with them. You see, when you share your backstory, you're opening the door for someone else to have the freedom to also share their backstory. And I know this is true because anytime at Tribe Night or anytime we're working with students or kids and we open the door to talk about taboo topics like depression or suicide, there's always more than one person in the room that goes, I struggle with depression as well. I thought I was alone. So sharing your story opens the door and sets people free to be able to share their story with you and with others. Allowing someone to see who you are behind closed doors can allow you to make connections with people you might have never connected with before. And then for others, it is time for you to really understand the story of other people. We have to create safe places in our lives to get to know others. We often act like the crowd does towards Zacchaeus. We judge people based on the outside, based on their actions, based on who they're dating, based on their ability in sports or their grades in school. We pass judgment on them. Maybe it's because of how they dress, their reputation, or they have a different culture from you, or simply because you aren't sure what you both have in common. So I want to challenge you guys tonight to take the step to get personal with someone else and understand their story. The step to listen and actually hear what they're saying and not listening so that you can respond. Our lives can change when we allow people to see who we are, to understand our stories, and even more when we begin to understand the stories of others. Just as it took just as Jesus took the time to go into Zacchaeus' home to understand Zacchaeus' backstory, Jesus invites you, into, invites you into his life too. Jesus wants to understand every part of who you are because our relationship with him is personal. So here in a minute, we're going to head into small groups and we're going to wrestle with this question. What does it look like to have others understand your story and for you to understand theirs. We have the opportunity to get personal, really understand one another, and see how God is moving in the story of our lives. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you that you care deeply about our stories. As we can see in the story of Zacchaeus, you care so much that you're willing to step into our moments, step into our lives, step into our world as a human to show us that you care, to make God personal to us. God, I pray as we wrap up tonight and we get ready to go into small groups that you'll just help us to let down our walls, that you will help us to allow other people into our story, that maybe for the first time tonight we will be fully seen, I thank you for what you're doing in our church and in our student ministry and across our region. Thank you that you are helping us learn how to love you and love people well. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.